Hello, do I have Fuzz Love on the line? Yes, you do. Great, so great to have you on. I'll just do a little intro. So we are on the air. You'll see it's recording. Um, this is Fam Electric Ghost, I'm an indie music producer and musician and podcaster. And we've been interviewing folks on this program since 2018. Uh, we're glad to have the DeKalb, Illinois punk rock band, Fuzz Love. So thank you. Uh, you know, welcome to the program. Yeah, thanks for having us. You got uh, Sean and Nick here. Uh, bass player, singer, and uh, trumpet player. Awesome. So you guys have, I was listening to some of your music on um, Spotify. I was actually listening to your uh, kind of instrumental track, uh, Bump, live from Studio A. Okay. And um, I know you're working on a new album. You've got a campaign for that. But you guys have a sound that's really interesting because, um, you know, I'm a keyboard player myself and I'm, I'm a big fan of bands like Sun Ra and Weather oh, Report and, and the Allman Brothers and Funkadelic. So I, I kind of hear a little Almonds. I hear a little Weather Report. I hear that kind of Sun Ra vibe um, in some of your stuff. So it's kind of cool. And then you've got some, you know, just kind of, you know, rock sensibility, like a Steely Dan kind of idea of you know, diving into the jazz and using it for pop sensibilities. That's kind of cool. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, man. We, uh, we love all those groups, uh, weather report, you know, Jocko and, uh, Steely Dan. Yeah. That's, uh, definitely influence of ours. Um, yeah, where you it's very cool. You could hear it in our, uh, in our sound too. Yeah, we, we love the group. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm... <laughs> so how did you guys, well, I'm going to get into like, the history of the band. Um, so usually I, I'll ask people like, when did you first get into music? Like what age? It's kind of so you guys have two guys from the band on on on. So who wants to go first? Like what age did you get into music? Uh, well, I'm Nick. I'm the trumpet player, and I started playing trumpet when I was ten. And I'm 26 now. I just I just finished my bachelor's degree in jazz trumpet. Awesome. So you went to school for it. So you totally doubled down on it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's the only thing that's ever mattered to me. I love it. Yeah, Matt, our guitar player, um, he just graduated too. Um, and also Clayton, our other guitar player, has gone to school and uh, is going to be continuing going to school. Um, I'm pretty much self-taught. Uh, I play bass. Um, I play, I've been playing bass for the last five or six years now. Um, I've been playing for a while, but I've just started really taking it serious in the last uh, few years You know, when I uh, joined the group. So, um yeah, but I've I've always had a love for music. Started playing, I started playing the guitar around uh, like twelve or thirteen, um, and then kind of jumped around uh, drums and um, keys a little bit. So I kind of jumped all over. But yeah, always had a love for music. So now you're on bass. Yeah, well, I've always been on bass. Um, me, Nick, and Clayton started uh, the group back in 2016. Um, and yeah, and I, I've always been the bass player and singer, um, I, <clears throat> excuse me, just previously before the band, yeah. I would kind of <clears throat> hop around instruments, excuse me. <clears throat> yeah. So is it, um, so you, you can play guitar, but you felt like, you know, is it, was it a decision that you needed <laughs> that, that's that, that bass sound for your band and, and maybe cause you're a singer, it's easier to play 
sing and play bass at the same time? Is it kind of like, how did that come about? When we started, we had three guitar players already. So four would have been way too many. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, That's kind of it. The demand for um, bass players um, seems to be a little bit more. uh, There's, there's a more of a demand for bass players. So um, yeah, I, I, I started on guitar when I was 13 um but then i i kind of started getting more interested in um the bass and yeah like i said um it was just kind of something that was more needed so the ba- the the band i was in previously before fuzz love i was the bass player um then i met um some of these guys out here in DeKalb, and they were looking for a bass player for a different band i was auditioning for well when we all met we kind of ended up just making a group ourselves so it kind of all happened unintentionally so it's pretty cool but um but yeah it, it, um like Nick said, we started with three guitar players at the time, so there definitely wasn't a need for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you don't want to go too toward like an Allman Brothers idea, and then maybe you need that many guitar players if you're like the Almonds. But no, we need <laughs> fine with two. <laughs> yeah, so it's, yeah, so that's interesting because you know how bands come about figuring out who's going to be on what instrument. Sometimes it is like you know they need somebody to to fill that role, so somebody shifts they kind of fit it or they they get more interested in 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 the rhythm of that you know being a keyboard player i'm I'm very much into bass sounds maybe for my like my moog i have like analog modes and i love the way the modes can actually sound very much like real basses well because they are (laughs) in some ways um so i I totally can get into like you know there's a lot of interesting things that you can do with the bass if you know if you think about it some some rock bands don't explore as much as they could and then you get bands like The Who, where Entwistle kind of played. Yeah, that guy's a beast. And, and, you get bands, and you get bands like Steely Dan that have more of a jazz influence based sound. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of so where you can go. Like, given the fact that you guys are in this kind of funk jazz area, I would think that you have a, a lot of interesting stuff you can do. Yeah, yourself. totally. And I mean, as you mentioned before, you know, Weather Report. And I mean, I like, I like especially like Jocko, um, you know period of weather report and yeah, yeah i mean he he's a beast he's definitely one of a big a big influence for me and his son too felix pastores um i definitely would love to play like yeah. that i definitely am a lot less busy um just kind of yeah play uh play what the kind of sound needs you know just kind of serve the sound so yeah yeah i mean that's pretty much today it's interesting because you guys are kind of bucking a trend uh, in terms of like, in terms of the way style you're doing, and I'm looking at some of your, your the time links on your music, and to traditionally, you know, a lot of bands today are like under, under three minutes, you know, two and a half minutes, and you guys kind of, I'm in my fifties, and I grew up, you know, with progressive rock bands like Yes, and Genesis, and you know Pink Floyd, where you know these kind of song lengths are common for you know the seventies, but in today's era. Um, it, it's not so common. Is, is the Chicagoland scene that you're in, is it more of the bands into these more long, elongated songs? Is that what the vibe is in, in your scene? In our particular scene, yes. We're kind of, see, now we kind of... Um, we're seeing chameleons. We're, we're, we're kind of more in the jam band scene out here. So we use the kind of jam band formula, if you will, where we have like a, a long improv jam section and and yeah that's i mean that's how we like to play we we love jam bands we love you know the dead and fish and 
and Humphreys and McGee and, and yeah. you know, and Zappa and stuff. Yeah, a lot of bands that just have a lot of improv. And then again, like – Or mothers of invention. Right, yeah. yeah. Well, and then, like you said, too, you know, jazz, you know, we, we also take a lot of influence from that with having improv and, and exploring things that way. Um, at the same time, though, too, we, we like to, you know, write songs that have, you know, substance and, uh, you know, you know, verse, chorus, and et cetera. Um, but yeah, out here, um, yeah, in our particular scene, definitely people, people like that. Um, people like to get down. That's kind of where the magic happens. Um, and we're not really. Yeah. Well, Chicago is kind of known for that, you know, with the blues sure. scene. Well, there, that's scene. the cool thing about Chicago is there's so many different markets and different music scenes. There's a jam scene, there's a blues scene, you know, jet, uh, um, just, yeah, I don't know if I said jazz or not. Yeah, there's a jazz scene, um, rock scene, bluegrass scene, bluegrass scene, metal scene. I mean, I could go on, but there's just so I many. Yeah, yeah, you probably do have like the DJs. And sure, the yeah, yeah, of course. of course, yes. That's what's again great about yeah, Chicago yeah. is that there's just there's there's so many different music scenes and. And you go to one bar and go across the street and you're in something completely different. And we like that. And that actually works great for us because, you know, as you're saying, and as you've heard, you know, we have all sorts of sorts of different influences in our sound and um, we love exploring yeah. all that. Yeah. It's, it's kind of, you know, all, you know, all of our, our dads and our, you know, our parents, it's kind of like music that they listen to and, and that we kind of grew up hearing and then we take that and yeah. our modern, you know, influences and whatnot. And yeah, so we're, we're definitely, we, we go for originality. We're not trying to, you know, be the next biggest thing. We're not trying to be on the radio. Hence why we have 10 minute long songs. You know, we're just playing, we're playing yeah, yeah. music that we love <laughs> to play. And that actually means stuff, you know, actually means something to us. And, um, you know, just as Nico says too, we play with honesty. Yeah, I think that's the thing I like. You know, I grew up in a time period where, you know, vinyl was king. You know, I grew up in the 70s. Like I said, I'm in my 50s. And when you went to get a record, you bought a vinyl. And when you bought, bought Pink Floyd or you bought, you know, Inner Visions or you bought songs in the Kia Life or, you know, Electric Land, you go in the basement and you listen to the whole thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Um, and we put our first album out on vinyl. And, only vinyl. And, right? Yeah, only vinyl. Actually, we didn't even print it on CD or anything. Our first album, we just, you know, put it right on wax. And yeah, man, that's definitely what we were intending it to be, too, is something that you would just go and listen to the whole thing from start to finish and kind of enjoy the ride. And that's you know, unfortunately, uh, kind of a lost art these days. But again, that's something that we're all into. Also, like everyone in the band has their, uh, their own, you know, vinyl collection. We all listen to vinyl and, um, you know, like to go out to thrift stores and, you know, uh, flea markets and find like, yeah, find a gem. So, and we're always showing each other different music. So yeah, man, uh, for the three, three of us out of the four right now live together. So, I mean, we're always just showing each other music and listening yeah. to music. I think that's the thing that's sometimes lost in this kind of Spotify playlist totally. age is the I idea that a band, you know, when they presented an album like a Sgt. Pepper's, it's like reading a novel. It's like an audio sure. novel, right? It's like it's like a sound painting. I was I was watching a documentary on George Martin and the Beatles kind of fell into George Martin because they actually were I don't know if you know the history, but George Martin had done Peter Sellers comedy. Okay. Records. They, he actually produced the comedy records. And the interesting thing about that is those old Peter Sellers comedy records had 
orchestras on them. They had sound effects. They had all this stuff. So when you start to think about Sgt. Pepper's, there was this idea that George Martin had been working on these comedy records that had all this multi-layered stuff going on. They were like these big performances. And when the Beatles had actually heard that, so when they got to Sgt. Pepper's, they knew George Martin had that capability. And then they said, you know, and George Martin had this idea that I don't want to just record you like you were in Berlin. I want to think about music like Monet or a painter. It's like, it's a painting, a sound which means I can actually interpret the sound and you don't have to sound like on record what you sound like live, that you could actually use the studio to do something else. And that's the kind of cool thing about the, that time period is when people started realizing you could use the studio to kind of build this sound that maybe you can't necessarily re- replicate live, but it creates a story, like a sound painting and a concept and it created the album form in a long drawn out idea. It's like, then you get the bands like Pink Floyd and Yes and Genesis. They take this album form and use it to make statements. Yeah, no, totally. I I uh, I love the Beatles. Yeah, I love George Martin. Um, and that's kind of interesting. You're talking about all that because that's kind of the approach we're going for a new album. Our first album was very much like a live session. It's very raw and just um, a lot of like longer improv and stuff. And and it's great. is is a great capture uh, of time. But um, this next album that we're doing, we're, we're trying to do it more of like you're saying, like explore what you can really do in the studio and, and um, you know, do it that way instead of just, yeah, how you would play a song live. And I think that's the thing that music's kind of missing these days, too, are great, you know, producers like George Martin, you know, like Quincy Jones. Um, you know, that could be a big reason, yeah. too, why, you know, we're not getting as great of music these days. It's just because I feel like a lot of bands don't really... Um, the yeah i mean I, I i i'm a big fan of like parliament funkadelic and bernie sure. Worrell, and you know bernie bernie world you know he went you know he had that kind of you know classical training that they created like funk the idea of funk is you know it's kind of like a mixture of, of jazz and psychedelic rock at least the parliament version of it and it's because they were able to take that kind of that thinking that where you can be very experimental and dynamic and, 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 and not just be locked into a certain type of funk. And like Parliament's not like James Brown, which is mm-hmm. like pure funk. Parliament kind of go, goes out and branches into rock and jazz and fusion and all totally. this other stuff and humor, like Zappa. You know, Parliament Funkadelic and Delic and the Mother's Intervention are kind of like on the same I space. Can see that, <laughs> Yeah, so that I, that's the kind. Of, and the thing is, today you don't get people who are the totally. People are yeah, like, I "Oh, I gotta stay in the same BPM. Sure. I gotta let you know the DAW tell me what key I should be in." And like, oh, maybe you want to do a key change. Maybe you want to do like a rhythmic change. Maybe you don't want to be in the same time signature because you want to create like a suite. Um, and people are like, no, 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 you can't do that. You got to stay under two, three, two point three minutes. Right, right. Yeah, no, we we definitely like to push boundaries and, um, yeah, just kind of do things our own way. Again, I love like all the Zappa references too, because yeah, we love Zappa too. Um, and yeah, we like I mentioned before too. I think we also just really serve the song. Each song we have on the table, we really just think like, where could we go? Like, what could we do? Um, and as we mentioned before, too, how we have a lot of improv sections. I mean, we're always changing those up. We're always uh, doing new things. So we definitely like to keep it interesting. And 
And um, yeah, I mean, we, we listen to a lot of different music and we take what we like from that, but we also just do our own thing with it. We by no means want to sound like anyone else or just do what's already been done before. Yeah. Yeah. Because one of the things that we've been talking about your influence is we can kind of hear it. You know, we can hear it. We talk about the weather report and parliament and Zappa. And, you know, I think the jam band, I think bands like Grateful Dead and Almonds. Um, but it's interesting that today, you know, when when you get the audience seems to be so primed that they want to hear the radio song exactly the way you wrote it. And so you get bands that come on stage with a musical director and like a computer and maybe like an Akai, you know, MPC and they're just triggering their clips and then kind of muting tracks and they're just singing over like, you know, a sequenced track. And it seems like some music fans today don't seem to know the difference between somebody with a music director doing sequenced tracks and a live band. Yeah, no, for sure. There's a lot of, um, yeah, I, I, I don't know the word for it, but yeah, I I don't want to say like, uh, deceiving going on but yeah i mean there's there's not a whole lot of substance i mean everyone likes different things but we definitely uh, like to go to like yeah. kind of raw or organic yeah well there's a thing about being a musician and then being an entertainer or a music yeah. director and, and a producer so to me it's like a different talent like you can be a really good music director you could be a really good producer you could craft the song you spend all the time crafting the song and then you go out on your cdj mm-hmm. and you just perform it and then you're more like more like an entertainer, and not that you weren't a musician when you crafted sure. it, but compared to a jam band, compared to somebody like Dead or Parliament, there's still a place for live musicians showing that level of musicianship, you know. Yeah, and it's just not that the other type of music isn't important; it's just it's a different form. And some people want to see somebody play, like a Pearl. You go see Pearl Jam because every night they might play something different, play the songs differently. Or Eddie might change the lyrics up. Sure. Or why you go see Dylan because he's going to change up Idiot when he's going to do the third version instead of the second version. Right. Yeah, that's something you we know, talked so, about too. There's, you know, there's some groups or acts that they'll go on tour and they'll play the same set throughout the whole tour. That's definitely something too that like we, that's something we wouldn't really do. We try to like, um, you know, have every show different. We, we, we I def- think, I think that's kind of why people come to, to see us play. They, they want to see something different every time. Totally. Yeah. They want that to experience that magic. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was, yeah, that's the, yeah, it's totally the seventies. You know, if you go see Zeppelin, you know, Jimmy Page is going to do that so different every night. Totally. Just because he didn't want to do it the same. You know, he, he didn't want to pull an Eagles where Don Henley and Glenn Fry kind of during the, during the, you know, the um, hotel California tour, they basically kind of told the band they got to mind-numbingly play the songs exactly as they did on the record, which took took all the fun out of that tour. Totally, it kind I mean, of those, lead to the you end watch end those the groups band. and they're amazing. But like, yeah, I hear what you're saying. They do they play those songs down to like a T. Yeah, they kind of felt like they needed to do it like like they're running it off off a off a jukebox. Right. And I can understand, you know, and you can see where corporate rock kind of got that kind of idea that, you know, if you're a big corporate rock band, then you've got to go out there like Coldplay and play it like exactly the same. Yeah, it reminds Um, me of like uh, Foo Fighters, too. I remember like uh, Pat Smear would always kind of go in and out because, you know, they'd go on tour and they'd just be playing the same set every night. It kind of just turned into like Groundhog's Day. You're going out, playing the same songs, you know, and it's just 
almost down the same banter. Like I remember I went and saw a hip hop group, uh, Atmosphere. I love Atmosphere, but uh, they had a two night run in Chicago. And I was thinking, you know, I don't know if, if you're familiar with Atmosphere, but they're like the Grateful Dead of hip hop. They have like like 500 songs in their catalog. Well, they played the same they they played the same two sets uh both nights and i was just so like the same jokes too yeah yeah down to the same jokes do down to the same punchline and the same banter i was just like are you kidding me like it it like and i mean it goes back to like what you said like some people are more entertainers and they're more of like an entertainment whereas like yeah we're i mean we definitely like to put on a show but it's you know it's all about the music babe <laughs> Well, I think it's like a musician. You got to decide, like, are you in it for for the artistry of it? You know, I I was I'm a big Hendrix like freak. You know, I I I go and collect every live Hendrix sure. performance that I can mm-hmm. find, right? Because every night Hendrix would just reinvent totally. all yeah, his yeah. songs, and and there's so many different mm-hmm. versions of how Ben and how he felt, you know, or what he was, you know, expressing. The same thing when you listen to Stevie Ray Vaughan is like. He would just every night he's doing yeah. it differently because he's kind of he got that blues man kind of idea. You go to New Orleans, you go to Mississippi, you go to see the blues guys. Every night they're just gonna, you know, however right. they feel. That's well, and that's why a lot of bands like for. The Dead and Fish have such a big following too, and people literally go and go on tour with them and see every different show because not only are they playing yeah. different songs but they're they're playing it differently too yeah they make it makes them feel like they're getting their money's worth exactly yeah and as a musician i think you you're more excited if your fans dig that because then you don't feel like they're gonna be like assessing you like did you play it right oh, you know yeah. you know are you, do you got somebody there saying oh he missed that bar or he missed that intro he didn't do it that way and like why you know i think those fans are more like I want to hear that variation. I want to feel that, you know, that's where his head's at. That's where his emotion, that's where his heart is today. And I, I want to see that. I totally. want to hear that. Oh, yeah, um, totally. Yeah, I think it's it's, it's a, about balance with all that. People do like familiarity, I think, and, and like singing parts they know and they like kind of um, – just kind of like I, I I remember I had a friend that sees this quite a bit and she says like she she likes familiar things sometimes just like kind of knowing where it's at and then like but yeah I, I'm more of like I like the unknown though too I don't I like not knowing where a song is going and and you know yeah so I, yeah. Like, I'm like, well you get, you get you, yeah so yeah. I think it's all about <laughs> well, you get that. what's that yeah well I was saying like if you get a pop band you know the whole thing about the top ten top twenty bands they're kind of stuck on a roll on, on a rail where people expect them to play that lick exactly sure. the way they heard it because, because they're in that kind of zone. But if you're more of an indie band and you're like in that independent music area, the alternate band, you know, the jam band style, then you're a little more free to express yourself. And, you know, yeah, you can, you, you guys do like to have, you know, I've, I listened to a song like someday so you have like a, a, a tip, like a typical pop structure to that. Sure. That it's like more of like a steely damn. It's it's still got a structure. It's tight. It's tighter. And so you get songs like that. Well, okay. Well, I probably gotta I gotta stay within that structure, but I can still kind of go off. Totally. Um. And I, yeah, and I think that's that that's where I live because I kind of grew up in that time period, and my influences kind of pushed me there. And I tend to like like to talk to bands that still right in that way you know most of the people i talk to i do talk to djs i do talk 
to you know hip hop people that do different type of composition. But a lot of the bands I talk to are singer songwriters. You know, are bands that actually are full bands. You know, with guys who are playing bass, guitar, keyboards, or something, and with real drummers and stuff. And it's just like, you know, it seems like a lost, um, <laughs> a lost art for some people today. But I think now because of COVID, I think people do want to see people who have authenticity. Totally. You know, they have that kind of sound. I mean, I just saw like a live stream for a band called Tennis out of Colorado. And I don't know if you know about them. They're kind of like a like a modern version of the Carpenters. Mm. And they play everything live and they've got this full, they have a really good kind of pop sensibility like the Carpenters. There's a, it's a husband and wife duo that has like a five piece band and they sound like power pop Carpenter type love songs, but they're, they're written like 1970 love songs. So they have really intricate, uh, you know, keyboard parts like a Richard Carpenter, really good keyboards, nice, like synth lines, really, you know, kind of Karen Carpenter like Mm. vocals. And you're like, wow, that's that's pure gold to me because that's the kind of thing I like to hear people actually take the time to craft a pop song like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You yeah, no, I mean? absolutely. Yeah, I think it's just at the end of the day, it's um, just, yeah, different strokes. I mean, I, I love a good pop song, too. Like, I love all sorts of, excuse me, all sorts of pop music. And, yeah, I mean, sometimes, yeah, just a good three minute song can just really do it for you. And um, the cool thing about, yeah, our music is we can do that. And, and then some, you know, and, and like you said too, the freedom of it, I think that's the probably the biggest thing we all love about being in this band is the freedom we have to be able to just write all sorts of different music and kind of get away with it. You know, as you were saying too, if you're kind of more in that pop or whatever, if, if you kind of had um, molded yourself to a certain type of, structure you kind of have to stick with that in a way whereas you know we yeah. again we have yeah like like i talk when i talk to like edm djs and trance djs they're kind of stuck you know hey, oh we got to do the drop here we have to do this structure and like if you're in that world there's a very tight structure kind of like disco it's like you're stuck with a certain structure of a song and a certain bpm and certain feel and then if you try to go outside of it, then the people are like, oh, that's not, that's not trance. That's not, right. that's not EDM. Yeah, something, yeah you know? that's what we don't, we so, don't but, like putting ourselves in like a boxer category or genre. I mean, and again, we'll say funk rock because that's just kind of like, you know, just gets the point across. But I mean, there's, yeah, there's definitely a lot more to it. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, we change up keys, we change up, you know, BPMs and, you know, all sorts of things. So yeah, we, yeah. we like to do it all. So on your new project, I see you've got like a GoFundMe for your new album um, and uh, you're working on this 2021 record. Can you talk about like you're already kind of hinted that you're going for the use of the studio to craft like a real like not a real but an album oriented studio kind of like being able to use the studio to kind of affect the mood for the record. So did you have kind of hints of like what that mood is or what, what what a hint of what you're working on? Yeah, I mean, I would say more um, of an album meaning just because, yeah, like, as I mentioned, the first one's just so raw. It's like a it's like a session album, whereas this one we want to feel like you were saying, like Pink Floyd, kind of like you put that on. And yeah, it's like a mood. It's a vibe. More produced, more streamlined. Exactly. Yeah. Have more like layers to it. We didn't really overdub anything on the first album. The first album is very 
straightforward. Oh. It's, that's why I say yeah. like raw because there's no overdubs. We didn't do it to a click. Um, I mean, so it's it, there's this it's it's there's just not a whole lot going on in that sense. Whereas like yeah, like Nick said, we want to like be a lot more involved with the post-production. We want to like layer it. We want to have like auxiliary percussion, you know, um, you know, mm-hmm. beefing some licks up if we need to, you know, like overdub some guitars or overdub like vocals even. Like I didn't overdub any of my vocals in the first album. Um, also the the process, we kind of didn't have as much time as we wanted to in the first one. Uh, you know, we, we know a lot more about like what we're doing now. Right. So, yeah, we're, we're going to be a lot more prepared. I mean, that was t- two years ago. Um, come, like, it'll, it'll be two years when we go in the studio to do this one since the first album. So, I mean, just as musicians and, you know, people, we've grown so much and kind of have a better, like, we just have a uh, more of a game plan. Um, and just, like, consistency, really. Just making sure the album kind of just flows. And, um, yeah, it just feels more... Uh, just like a story rather than just yeah. a couple songs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the whole idea of an album is it's get this cohesive, even if it doesn't have a concept, like Sgt. Peppers doesn't really have a concept other than like psychedelic, like um, like a psychedelic vibe. But for some reason, like all the songs flow into each other. So they all feel like they're part of Yeah, it's kind of like a weird um, dream. Yeah, like Sgt. Pepper in a way is a concept album because – it's supposed to be like they're a different band, but I know what you're saying. There isn't one like general. Idea. It's not as clear as like the exactly, wall yeah. And that's definitely we, we're definitely not going for a concept album, but we definitely wanted to. Um, I mean, if I would say the the overall kind of um, idea of the album is kind of just change. I mean, it's our second album. We've all uh, have been through a lot of changes. Also, the lineup has been changed we have a different guitar player we have a um we hired a studio uh drummer his name is johnny gifford um he's gonna be recording uh mm-hmm. on drums for the album so i mean um and and some of the lyrics will be dealing with growth and change as well totally yeah if there's any sort of common theme um it's yeah change and just growth and which isn't anything that hasn't been touched on before so it's it's you know, yeah, well, it's in your context of how you're living, so that becomes your own well, exactly. stamp on it. Yeah, you know, as that. I mentioned before, we our music's just very honest, and, and, and it's actually very personal. Um, and I, I write the lyrics, and I, I try to, when I write, I, I the only way I can write is to kind of write personally, like write about what's actually happening, and usually in real time, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not one of the, I can't really pick apart memory, like, from in the past or anything, and write about that. I'm more of, like, kind of what's going on, like in that moment yeah so yeah but i also like i don't like to write too personal where you know um like people can't relate to it like i i like to write like just vague enough so then anyone can kind of interpret it interpret it like their own way like there's the song ain't no need on her first album and it's kind of just about like it's actually about me and the me and our drummer at the time not getting along but like i don't say you know i don't say you know this is me and my drummer, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, pissed at it's each other. Yeah. <laughs> like, anyone could just take it as like a problem. You know <laughs> yeah, well, that's the whole thing about you. Like, you look at Dylan, like his big breakup album um, about his marriage. Uh, you know, he has the song Tangled Up in Blue, but when you listen to Tangled Up in Blue, it's supposed to be this really personal right. song, right? But he creates characters that are not really him. 
Like they're supposed to be like it's representing what happened to him, but he creates all these characters. They're going off. I'm going to go to the North Woods and be a cook. I'm going to go to you know, this dock and I'm going to be a. But you know he right. never did that. But he he creates this story that is always this kind of everyman characters that they're actually him, but he projects himself into other people that people can understand. They're going through this painful situation, but it's it's him, but it's not him, sure. but it's relatable. Yeah, um, and it's kind of like his talent was that mm-hmm. he could do that and, and and kind of mask it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, he. I definitely admire that about his writing, where he can definitely kind of just make a story out of something. And yeah, and I really do love those songs too. Where yeah, it's kind of got that the story like you were talking about. But then if you do some more research, you'll find out like, oh yeah, like that's about his wife leaving him. You're like, well, I never would have thought that. You know, like it's pretty cool. Yeah, but he kind of was able to kind of tell it, but then remove exactly. himself, which is so like that is like a real talent. Like you're being personal, and it's really, you know, self-revealing. But he still put a level of like masking on it to, to kind of protect totally. himself. Um, but then you had to like because he's a poet, you know, he kind of you can unravel like all the meaning in there, and it's like it, that's always interesting about work. But it's interesting when you guys were saying like your first album. He kind of did it so, like, you could play the songs because if you don't have a lot of overdubs, you can play the songs the way that you know the way you right. write. But if you, when you build an album with a lot of overdubs, it's like, yeah, like when I was hearing a story about like Tommy mm-hmm. from The Who, and when they were doing Tommy, they're working with their producers, and like they initially wanted to do all these overdubs, but then the band said, Well, when we go to play it live, we're not gonna be able to play it because we're not hiring right. anybody else. So they kind of li- limited Tommy to what they could actually yeah, play. Yeah, that's always something um, we thought about. Like when we were doing the first album, we were kind of we've we're floating around those ideas. We're like, well, should we add some keys? Should we do this? And mostly, we want to just stay true to the, our sound. We didn't want people to hear the record, yeah, and then like see us live and be like, you know, where's all this or where's all that? But like. As far as the second album goes, though, we still want to make it like it's going to be us. We're probably not going to do much where yeah, we're not going to hire an orchestra or nothing. Yeah, like <laughs> and it's not going to be crazy overdubs. Yeah, it's yeah. going to be more of just like, you know, like we're going to throw some acoustic yeah. maybe in yeah. some parts here. Or like, again, like I was saying, uh, auxiliary percussion sometimes. It's kind of small things like that. You know, we're not going to be like Radiohead. I know Radiohead's kind of infamous for they'll make a whole album. And then they'll have to learn yeah, how to yeah. play it after they record it. They'll, they have to like learn their own song yeah, like, and how they're going to play it yeah. live. So we're definitely not going that route either. But um, it's going to be tasteful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're really excited. We we've already started planning this album. We're probably about a month or two in now. But um, you know, and just really diving deep of like again, like I was saying, like okay, we'll put an acoustic here. Some auxiliary percussion would be cool here. All right, you know. Well, that kind of goes to embellishing. Like, there's a there's a style where, like, once you go into a recording studio and you listen to like albums from like bands like Fleetwood Mac or Tom Petty, right? And it the, the studio versions just have the like the the doubling or the extra vocal track or you know or this extra percussion or it's enhancing. It's like it's not that when they go to play it live, it doesn't sound like it, but when you listen to the studio version. There's all these, you know, things in the studio version where they're able to enhance the sound and make it like really yeah, exactly. perfect. I mean, I think that's great. Right? And then when you go to play it live, it opens up because then you can't do those things. But it's not 
that far a deviation exactly. from the song. It's just that exactly, yeah. Like no one's gonna go see it and be like, oh, like that's missing. But yeah, I mean, like like you were saying, I think that's how a studio like take should be. I think it should be like the best example of the song, like. You know what I mean, and yeah, like overdub, overdub vocals yeah, like or like some effects version. on the vocals or something. <laughs> like, I think that's totally like that's totally cool. I, I love when songs do that, and um, yeah, and I mean they, I think they figure out ways too, especially nowadays. Like you can still pull a lot of that off live, you know. Yeah, yeah, a lot of that stuff is like you know, being the being the kind of pro- performer I am, I have all these um like synthesizers. I'm an analog synth guy, right? And I have tons of modes and Rollins and all this stuff. And I can layer all this stuff. And a lot of times I'm a one-man band. And a lot of it's all coming from my sequencers from these hardware synths. And so a lot of it I can actually replicate on stage because I just run my sequencers and I play stuff live over them. But I have control over them. So I can change things anytime I want. I can actually make it not be the same or make it be the same as what I wrote. Um, and and that's in the way like with these like Ableton Live and all these other things made in stage, you can mute and unmute your backing tracks and have that stuff there. But the only issue sometimes there is you're kind of locked into the structure of the song. Um, and so if you want to change the structure of the song, then you're kind of locked into it. And you can, you know, because you've kind of put it into like a track, you're on a rail. And if you're on that rail, you kind of got to stay within the rail. But um you know, that that's the limitation of trying to do some of that stuff, but some of that stuff, you know, the technology makes it so that you can have some of this stuff being some of your backing tracks with the synths and maybe the horns. And, you know, if you had some, you know, horn tracks that you couldn't get the horn players on stage, if you're a band that didn't have a horn player, um, then you're kind of locked into that if, if you try to play yeah, live totally. <laughs> with the backing tracks. But yeah, it sounds it sounds really interesting what you're gonna do on the next album. I mean, I was listening to a lot of your your first album, um, and you know, I, I I'm digging it. Like I said, I heard the influences, and and maybe um, talk about how you guys came to your sound. Is this that you guys all kind of had the same feeling, or did you guys like once you got together, your sound? Oh wow, we sound like this, and you kind of just fell into you know the, the character of how you all play. And it built like Fuzz Love, or did you guys like work at it? Or did, you know, well, maybe uh, the first time we all got together, um, we just played like we were just improv jamming, and we improv jamming like for like four hours, pretty pretty much nonstop. We took a little break in between two two hour jams, and at the end of the night, you know, we just kind of said, you know, this is fun, so we're kind of a band now, right? <laughs> So we, we kind of yeah. knew right away kind of what we were going for, but we definitely, it definitely took a lot of refining and just like fine tuning over the years. Yeah. Cause when we started off, we didn't just start off really like, all right, let's be a band. Let's write all this music and like um, play a bunch of shows. Like we kind of were just doing it cause it was fun. And we had some, me and the other guitar player had like two gigs lined up at the house cafe that we needed to fill out. So we were just like, all right, well, let's call this let's call this band something, and we'll just play these gigs and have some fun. Well, then we started playing like house parties and stuff, and we kind of really started becoming a band, kind of by like demand of like our friends and people, and, music. yeah, in the town because people would be like, man, you guys are awesome, you guys should just like you guys really need to be a band because like we weren't really like writing anything right away. We were, no, just, we were just improvising. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we were just jamming, right? Someone would be like, hey, come play in my basement or something or come play at my party. So we would be like, all right, we'd go and just right improv for a couple hours. Um, and then uh, and then we uh, landed a battle of the bands to play on a, a, a festival out here called Summer Camp. I don't know if, if you are um, if you guys are, I'm sure there's people out on the East Coast that have heard of Summer Camp, but it's here in Illinois. Yeah, it's Humphreys McGee and uh, Moe's uh, Fest. And um, anyways, when we landed that Battle of the Bands gig is when we really started to kind of kick it into gear. And that was, I think, like the beginning of 2017. And after we wrote maybe our first three or four songs, I think we kind of developed our sound. I mean, with Nick here on the trumpet, it's cool because we'll do instrumentals and he's kind of this, he's kind of the voice. He's kind of the singer of those you know like with just his melodies and the way he plays because i don't think he plays how a lot of other bands these days are using the trumpet how they have more of just like in the back they're the more they're more in the back and they have these short horn parts you know like like a band like a lettuce yeah you're, yeah you're, you're, yeah you're doing it in the front you sound like you know yeah like sun Ra, you know like 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 a, like a real jet you're putting it to the front because it's like you have a jazz sensibility and it's actually exactly. going in that direction. Like the weather yeah. report and we don't use and, and this trumpet as like, like a, an auxiliary instrument or like something in the back. It's very much up front and like the literal mix too. I mean, again, like um, we put it right up front. So um, I, I, so I think that's kind of always been our secret weapon is like doing that and, and how Nick plays. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I personally think after first few songs, I, I I at least was like, yeah, this, you know, we'll start writing other ones. It's like, yeah, this sounds like fuzzle. You know, this, this sounds like a, a fuzzle. It's like, it, it, to me, it's like warm, you know, it's just a warm vintage. Kind of sound. Yeah, yeah. So that's how you came up with the name. You felt like it had that kind of fuzz tone from what you were doing. Totally. Yeah. I, I, I think so. I think that, um, you know, when we're jamming, you can kind of just hear that. I mean, we, we definitely like to have that, that raw, um, just kind of heavy tone, but yeah, but also yeah. just, yeah, warm, vintage, fuzzy tone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You definitely got that vintage vibe. Like you're like, you got the Grateful Dead kind of, kind of heritage of that idea, you know, jam because we want to jam. And that's, you know, the dead were famous for doing like eight hour jams. Oh, the yeah, they're crazy. Go, you know, they would they'd be out, they'd be out there, you know, in the California scene, just, you know, with like tons of hippies, just like we're just oh, yeah. into it, you know, and that's that's it, you know. And Hendrix was like that. They just jam anywhere he could find it, place to jam, you know, whoever was there. If he kept on playing. Yeah, I mean, go, that's uh, what we kind of are about. You know, know, we're about what we think people, you know, would enjoy. Because um, as I was saying before, it was really we would go off of like people's feedback and what people were kind of wanting because when we were just jamming and in the beginning people were like you know you guys should write more songs with lyrics and stuff we could sing and we're like okay so we went back and we were writing more you know songs and stuff people could sing and then you know and Mm -hmm. so whenever whenever we get feedback we really you know listen and you know and we go to so much live music too so when you first started you're more like a jazz kind of fusion and then you started to bring the lyrics in and start to build the song structure right. the traditional but still having it in a jam band kind of homage brother yeah because like i said before field. like we were just improving, we we're just jamming there wasn't really any structure there wasn't like any actual songs 
And then once we started playing out more and stuff, people were like, yeah, like, you know, we want to hear singing. We want to sing. And yeah, we want to hear lyrics and stuff. So yeah, we kind of went back and, you know, we wrote Someday was one of our first ones. And, um, and then, you know, Ain't No Need is kind of our, yeah. Yeah. And then, That's a cool track. You guys kind of have like an original Chicago sound vibe, the original. Yeah, Chicago, yeah. You know, the the Chicago band, you mean? They have. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, we, yeah, we love Chicago. Band, you know, before Peter Cetera, before. Peter oh, Cetera. oh, when they're like uh Chicago oh, Transit. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, they're yeah, no, yeah, they're yeah. they're groovy, man. They're happening, yeah, and they actually. Uh, I know the bass player sings a lot too. Uh, in Chicago, yeah, that, yeah. That first album is actually like pretty psychedelic. Yeah, no, yeah, we we love those guys. Like, my dad yeah, yeah, listened yeah. to those guys all the time. Boston, I mean, yeah, I, I was into that too. Yeah, I mean that that sound was awesome because it, it had the horns, and then you had like the the jazz sensibilities, and you had this kind of really cool sound. You know, and it was poppy. But it was, you know, a little more advanced than some pop music. It was going in a different totally. Way. I think it's just about having um, that balance, you know, because um, I think if you have too much of one or the other, then that's where you can. Yeah, well, they had that fine. They had that fine balance where they had all these hits, and they were able to keep that kind of really interesting complexity, but still well, exactly have a pop yeah. song out of it. You know, which I think. It, when you get to like you know Walter Becker and Otto Fagan with Steely Dan, it's just the fact they're using all these Motown guys and all these jazz musicians, you know, as session musicians to kind of really perfect what they were trying to do. And it's interesting that you told me you, you guys went and got like like a drummer and you got a new player. It's like so you kind of have a little bit of a Steely Dan vibe in that. Okay, we're gonna get the people we need to. Yeah, totally. Song. I mean, we we <laughs> didn't plan it that way. I mean, we definitely want to have like a. We don't want to be one of those groups that has like a rotating lineup. We're definitely going for that, but yeah, you don't um, want to be just like Steely. Yeah, Dan. yeah, yeah. So we're not we're not going for that. But as far as like with having the studio drummer, um, it's just a decision we decided to make. Um, Nick has worked with johnny before um he recorded with him in his last project and played out with him so um and i've and i know of johnny's playing and i know he's one of the best there is in our area so we just decided to do that because since we don't have a full-time drummer right now and we still really want to put out this album we thought that would be the best move to do rather than kind of wait around and hopefully find another drummer and we just know that johnny can kind of handle whatever we throw at him so that's kind of the the move we made there. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think what a lot of the greats did back in the day um, is, you know, they would write kind of like a pop song, like you're saying, and, and make it radio friendly. But then they still have those great jams. I feel like there's so many groups that didn't do that. They just do a lot of the jam stuff. And like, that's like no one bought their albums or anything, you know, and they weren't getting radio play. And it, it's a yeah, shame. Yeah. Yeah, well, even Frank Zappa, yeah, Frank Zappa had that issue sometimes. Sometimes he'd write the hit. Right, no yeah, because he was still against um, the music the industry. Times, like, he, didn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't really trying to write the hit. It happened to be a hit. <laughs> you know, he happened to have a song that was accessible, but most of the time he wouldn't write it that way. Right, right, because a lot of radio you know, places but, aren't trying to play, like, you know, back then at least, like, don't eat yellow snow and all that. Like, he was just so out there, yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, that's yeah, the thing. I mean, play that. Right. Zappa is for everyone. You know, like, but I love Zappa, and even it. I don't love all his stuff because I mean, some of it's just like. Well, 
some of it's like he's so his sense of humor is kind of like funkadelic humor. You like it's the same thing. You won't hear a lot of deep funkadelic tracks anywhere because they're kind yeah, of like totally. out there. <laughs> it's got the same kind of humor. It's got the same kind of like like strangeness to it. That this outer space kind of vibe. Right. Okay, <laughs> um, but 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 it's that, that it's that kind of thing that's kind of cool to have that inside you know vibe. They're these like interior tracks. They're deep on these these type of bands. That okay, yeah, they kind of give this stuff to the diehards, and then they have you know the, the, they'll do a single because the record company need them to do a single. But um, but a lot of times you know it's interesting today. Like everybody seems to be so pop focused that everything's got to be with these you know these producers that want to you know they want to put out the jam song. You know, they, oh this is the the burner. You know, this is the one that's gonna really do it. But then they got too many guys doing the same Ooh. thing. Too many people using the same splice, same fruity loops, same clips, same drums off the 909 or the 808 or the 720. They're all doing the same thing. And so then it becomes less individuality and uniqueness. And I like to hear bands like what you guys are doing kind of kind of brings me back to the days when, you know, I did go to the record store and find some band, you know, and, you know, like I discovered like Big Star, Alex Chilton's Big Star. And, you know, they were like, oh, I don't know if you guys know, but they're kind of like the Velvet Underground of Power Pop. And and I just finding like like a little niche band, like when I found the Velvet, like I, I actually found the Velvet Underground in Nico in a record store in Northampton, Mass. When I was like 17 and it was like a life altering awesome. experience. <laughs> yeah, we've dropped the record off at a few different yeah. uh, record stores. And yeah, honestly, that's kind of something I always hoped you know, would happen for us is someone, someone would kind of take a chance on us. Yeah. Someone will kind of like go through the, you know, the record bin and see ours and kind of catch their eye or like if they see it in a local band section and kind of, right. Like Nick says, kind of take a chance or with me, like, you know, I, I take advantage of, you know, YouTube and Spotify. Like I'll look up a group and see if they're on there and kind of check them out. Or sometimes I'll even just take a chance and just, you know, just grab the album if it looks cool enough. But, uh, yeah, that's something I definitely hope will happen for us. Someone will kind of just stumble along and kind of check it out and, and really enjoy it. That's why I think the great thing about being a music fan is like the, you know, the kind of music fans that most bands want are the kind of fans, you know, that allowed bands like REM to become, you know, big, you know, because they people like the college radio crowd back in my day before YouTube before you know the internet when you found a band like the replacements or who's could do or like you know like a, a joy division you mm -hmm. found them on college radio you know even oh yeah like the i was just heads, thinking that or, yeah. or, you know, or, or te television you know bands that were playing in cbg yeah well, I, I, I remember uh, hearing CBG. talking heads they were like considered like an art group or something they weren't even like considered a band at first and they had like knife throwers opening for them and stuff <laughs> yeah they were at cbgb's with the whole crowd with the ramones and all but and they were with blondie and all those bands at cbgb's but they were they, they weren't really a punk band they were like this they were like one of the first yeah. like, alternative bands because they were they were doing something that was very you know it was kind of like it was it wasn't what lou reed did with the velvets but it was very experimental. So it was like, it's this kind of, kind of like they're mixing all these things, like these kind of Andy Warhol sensibility that they're doing all this weird visual stuff 
that the, you kind of needed to mm-hmm. see what Byrne was doing because he was doing all this very strange stuff, and he can't everything. Oh. You had to go see him because it was just not hear him. You had to actually see what they were doing on stage because it was like wow. Yeah, they put on the vibe, you know. And I, I never, never. Yeah, saw they, I think they definitely had <laughs> one of the greatest balances of like great music performance, but also a great like show and entertainment too. They really knew how to come on the show. Yeah. So when you guys, when you guys play visually, do you guys play it just straight, like a straight band that you're into just doing the music, or do you have any kind of stagecraft? Do you guys have like, like a, like a, like a, like anything that you use to kind of set yourself apart other than just playing, or you're kind of like playing is what we do, you know? So that's yeah, that's it's definitely kind of more on the second one. We kind of just are a little bit more uh, like old school, I guess you could say. We're the music speaks for itself. Like the dead, like the dead, like the dead didn't yeah. really on They didn't even talk much. Yeah, songs. <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't, yeah, we don't do too much. Yeah. We kind of just let the the music do the talking. You know, um, we like to interact with our crowd mm-hmm. when we can. But yeah, there's not kind of like crazy. You know, I mean, I, I I personally love a good light show. You know, if we go play at a a cool stage, if they have a cool like light setup, you know. But as far as something like that, no, not too oh, much. Yeah. I, I don't want to. It, it would almost be too gimmicky for at least us. It just wouldn't be necessary. I think with our type of music, it kind of, yeah, like Nick says. Yeah, unless you really get into, like, if you get into, like, the, the kind of Pink Floyd, the wall, totally. or, you know, type of, you know, yeah, they had these big laser shows that kind of went with their, and these big screens that would relay, but they were doing concept albums, you know. So, so they had all these visuals that went with the, what Wilder right. Waters was writing about, which was kind of like like Pete Townsend and Tommy and Quadrophenia, mm-hmm. these big concepts. So they had all this stuff that would be happening because they have all this concept stuff. But then, you know, you could the early Pink Floyd with Sid Barrett, it was just a bunch of psychedelic kind of Andy Warhol with like, you know, right. psychedelic shows. Nothing but strange lights and visuals. Yeah, I think like like, uh, like the um, cool oil lights or something would be cool. You know, like the Jefferson airplane kind of stuff. Like, well, we're jamming. Like, I would be totally about that. Yeah. yeah. Or like, um, like you know, I love um, like Tame Impala, a newer band, and they their production setups crazy. I mean, lasers and, and smoke and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and and, and I mean, see, I personally like that. I think that's awesome. I would love to go and and see that and and enjoy the music and the show and it's visually stimulating and everything. But for our type of music, I I think that would be like overkill. I I I don't think it'd be necessary. It doesn't really yeah, go with the no, vibe what you're yeah. doing even on your new album. It's right. Yeah. Really I think again, we're kind of got like that more vintage kind of old school stuff. Again, like so maybe like some old psychedelic lights or something would be cool. But other than that. Yeah, maybe just do like an LED screen with some like strange, like, you know, interesting visual images with geometric and, you know, colors and stuff that maybe kind of shows that there kind of go. psychedelic. Yeah, no, totally. Picture. You know, like film, film exposure. Yeah, film exposure going like yeah. MC Escher type stuff. Absolutely. So that, that, that would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's always like because you have, you know, people are so visual today. That you know, bands are having to look at like, oh, you know, like I do live performances from my home studio, and I'm I'm getting ready to invest in like a green screen so I can I do a lot of weird visuals on my Instagram with all kinds of visual tools, and now I'm I'm planning on having some of those actually show up on a green screen when I do my live 
performances from my from my home studio. So I actually will be like more interesting than this me playing my sense or just have this weird kind of MCS or kind of weird stuff going on. But yeah, I mean, you just do whatever you think is going to fit. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, like who knows, maybe if we released, you know, more of a concept album and then, you know, it, it, some cool stage production, you know, was needed, that would be cool. But uh, yeah, as far as where we're at right now, we're, we're uh, going pretty minimal. So when you guys record now that you're you're going to be doing this 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 like more overdub more studio techniques, do you guys just you know use the the physical studio to to record in, or do you do stuff like on a DAW before you come to the studio and then work with the producers and the engineers on the big boards, or do you have like stuff that you work out like in your home studio that you bring? To no, the we pretty much just hash everything out in the studio. I mean that's kind of like what we're preparing for right now uh is how we're gonna do everything in the studio so you know like when we we're figuring out like okay what what are we gonna overdub like when are we gonna overdub it or whatever how are we gonna arrange this so that way when we're in the studio we're not wasting any time we're gonna just have to game plan and, and know kind of what mm-hmm. we're doing so that's kind of something we're all working out right now um I think we might record some of our own demos just to kind of see how they're sounding and, and all that jazz. But um, yeah, no, we're going to kind of just go in and, and pretty much just use the studio. So when you guys do demos, do you put it down like on a four tracker or do you put it into like a, like, like, the, like a, like a, you know. Yeah. We probably use like an interface of some sort and just plug it into like a, our laptop and yeah, just use like a, some sort of, program and just yeah just a base get just get it pretty much yeah Yeah. and and just to be able to kind of hear it outside of like us just playing it i mean some of the guys recorded on their phone but that's obviously not the best kind of quality either so yeah we kind of just want to lay it out and make sure it kind of is sounding good you know and you can always then hear like okay maybe the song would be better a little bit slower maybe the song would sound better a little bit faster that's kind of like again what we're figuring out right now like we've been slowing some things down um because we, we we've been playing to a, a click track too um as i mentioned we're going to record to a click mm-hmm. this time so so you guys kind of like rehearse what you're going to do. And then when you get there, you're kind of ready with the songs that you guys. Actually exactly. Yeah. So we'll, yeah. we'll probably just go and lay out the framework. Cause I mean, we're still going to, we're all going to record at the same time. So we'll go in there. We'll probably, you know, throw on the click to where it needs to be. We'll play the song through and then, you know, go from there. Like, okay, that was a good take. Now, um, now we're going to add some acoustic on this section. Okay, great. Now, you know, Nick's going to go in and okay. blow over here. So, I mean, we're going to, and so that's kind of what we're doing right now is figuring all that out. So then when we go in there, we're not like scratching our heads or anything. Yeah. Ken, I was watching a documentary like the Pink Floyd, you know, I'm big into them, but after they did the wall, they had to kind of hit the wall and they didn't know how they were going to do mm-hmm. what you were here. And so they just booked the studio, but they had no songs. Yeah. You can do that when you have a lot of money. So Pink they were Floyd sitting in money. the studio. <laughs> Yeah, they had all this money from from the from the wall, and then the recording engineer said, "Well, most of the time, they were just sitting around trying to come up with something, and there's like they were spending all yeah. that, that wall money." Yeah, we don't have we don't have wall money. <laughs> <laughs> we have GoFundMe money. 
<laughs> yeah. So it's like, I guess, like when you're at that level, I guess you can just sit on there and smoke your cigars. And why? I think maybe tomorrow I'll have something about play squash. Yeah, and maybe yeah it's definitely not. It's like the complete opposite <laughs> for us. So yeah, we we have our uh, we have our five days. We're going to be in there booked uh, the beginning of January. So you got it all planned out, but you know you got to, you got five days and you got to get it done. No, so exactly. Yeah, we we got five days. We got about uh, about three months then from now. Yeah, so three in three months we'll be in there five days, and yeah, we got to go in there and crunch it out. Their first, our first album was pretty much three, if you will, three and a half. Um, I went back in to try to do some more vocal work, but that's the other thing too, man. It was just so much pressure. Like I was in there because we were focusing on doing all the getting all the music right. Well, then I had about like I had about an hour to get yeah. all the vocal tracks down. So I was like, all right. Now get your vocals down. So I was under so much pressure. Go. I've never been in the studio before. And yeah, I, I don't want it to be like that again. I want to be much more relaxed. And, no, give me, give me yeah, something. Because I mean, you can, you can definitely that. hear it too. You can like, I mean, I, I definitely can hear it. If you listen to that first one, like you, you can hear, I'm pretty nervous. <laughs> so I don't want to, I don't want to, I want to sound much more confident. And that's kind of our goal for this album is just to make it better than the first. Yeah, well, your sophomore record always, like, you always learn in your sophomore record totally. from what you did on your first, you know, flight. flight. And it's like it, it always progressively gets, yeah. you know, tighter and you get to figure out who you, totally. who you are. I think some band. band's sophomore albums um, are yeah. better. And I always consider, like, you know, I'm a big Radiohead fan. I love the Benz. I, I never listened to Pablo Honey, their first record. And, I mean, I know there's... There's a lot of bands yeah. like I mean, like you keep uh, mentioning Pink Floyd. I mean, you listen to their early stuff, and I mean, it's not for everybody. <laughs> Let's just say, right? Yeah, well, Sid Barrett, you know, I guess I guess the guys who love Sid Barrett the most. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, I see. I'm not a, I'm not a, you know, I, I respect him, but I'm not the biggest uh, Sid Barrett <laughs> fan. But you know, like, there's just so many groups though, and yeah, you listen to their first album, and it's you can hear what they were going for, but yeah, it might not always be the best. And then you hear their sophomore album and it's kind of like, Oh, okay. And I, I'm kind of really thinking and hoping that this is going to be like that for us. I think our second album is going to be, I think it's going to blow yeah. the first one out of the water. And I think it's really going to be the one that um, will kind of grab people's attention a little bit more. Yeah. Cause I was listening to the clash. I kind of love the clash because they're not your normal punk band. They actually became more of a like modern, like early, you know. They, they kind of bridged the gap between punk, hip hop, and new wave. They actually started to when you get to combat rock and like Santa Anisha, they're not they're not like a straight punk band anymore. They're mixing in, you know, Latin rhythms, African rhythms, and sub pop stuff. Uh, and so you get this strange sound. It still has this punk aesthetic, but then it gets kind of you get pop. You get rock, you get funk, you get, you know, it's just, it's just kind of amalgamation of all this stuff going on in London. And it's kind of cool, you know, when, when bands are open to that, you know, so it's, it, you might start as a punk band, but then they became kind of like a, like more of a alternative band. Yeah, totally. And I mean, since we have, um, you know, two different members too, I even think that'll have a, a big difference in, you know, the sound. Yeah, because every member always brings like their own feel to it. So then you're gonna sound with those that input, like the, you know, each musician's input kind of pulls like a different flavor or a character into the music. So you'll feel like a you know the the the, the 
how that comes together and it necessarily, you know, brings out different points or different things in the mix based on, you know, how people play and how they, how they absolutely coordinate together. So it's great that you guys, you know, it's cool that you guys are still fighting the good fight with like musician music played by actual musicians rather than just, you know, on the grid. <laughs> um, and that, not that, you know, I listen to everybody, but I, my, when I if I somebody asks me deep in my heart, I always want to see a band that's actually going to go on stage. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, I think that's going to win at um, the end of the day. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, if I'm going to go to a big festival, I just don't want somebody jumping up and down with the CD. <laughs> I hands. agree. Because I'd rather see somebody jamming out on a Moog or on a Fender Telecaster. We're on a Hammond B3, you know, that's where my head's at. You know, like I want to see somebody, you know, actually, you know, playing that bass and playing those keys. That's kind of, when the vocalist, you know, actually singing, not sure. using the vocoder. You know? sure. <laughs> um, um, so, yeah, it's, it's cool that you guys came on the show uh, and we're going to put this out. We're actually part of Spotify. And there's a Spotify version of this podcast that we publish. We actually publish on 11 platforms. And so this will come out on Spotify, on Apple, Stitcher, Overcast, Google. So it's going to simultaneously become available on all these platforms within the next hour. And we will push it on our Instagram and we'll create a story for it. You can link to it on our Instagram. Um, so we're glad to have you on the program. We're going to push out your hyperlinks, including your GoFundMe. Awesome. Um, Thank you. Um, on the program, but we'll be clicking. That'd be awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, so good, good luck. Yeah, good luck to you guys. You know, you're fighting the good fight, like I said. You, you musicians playing music uh, and, and getting it out there to people so they can feel it. Uh, we're, we're really into that. So when you guys are ready with this album, feel free to contact us and we can help do our album release Yes, I was going to say, we would we would love to do that. And again, thank you so much for having us. Thank you so much for supporting us. And we appreciate you. And this has been a great time talking to you. Yeah, it's been a, been a fun conversation. Hey, thank you. Have, have good luck Thanks, buddy. Stay talk. safe out there. You have thank a great you. night.